Contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In times of spiritual and moral chaos, it can be hard to discern truth from error and to apply it to all of life. God's word is not silent, and we don't have to be either. This is Once for All Delivered with Caleb Castro and Andrew Smith. Hello, OFAD lads and lasses. I don't know why Caleb ran away and hid there on the video, but here, let me get that for you. (laughs) Technology is great. All right, this is Once for All Delivered. In case you forgot, since it's been quite some time, I am Andrew Smith. And I'm Caleb Castro. And we are here doing a live show, doing our first show where we've actually sat down together. Oh, it's doing it again. Uh, Recording our first time together in, uh, well, quite a while now. We've been doing reruns for the last month like any show that... uh, well, I don't know about any show, but a lot of shows. We, we've gone into syndication, but now we're back. <laughs> J- just in time for the writer's strike, so all the people, all the vo- viewers of Kimmel and Fallon and uh, others who are looking for, for new content to fill their late-night schedule, they're probably not coming here, but we can dream. Can we? Would we go on? I mean, well, like I said, they're not even having shows, so they're going to yeah. be begging to come on our show. Yeah, right. Especially <laughs> after we do the topic we're going to do tonight. Um, of course. But before we get into that topic that we're going to do tonight, that's going to probably get us banned from YouTube and various other things, uh, since it's been a while, uh, we've got things going on in life, personal stuff that I guess we can update you on, and I'll let Caleb go first, because you probably know less about that. Yeah, well, uh, just recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, sustained my uh, examination for um, to be a candidate uh, for the Ministry of the Word in the United Reformed Churches, uh, which means that I could... Uh, receive a call and uh, move toward the process of being ordained as a minister. Um, and with that, uh, I have actually just recently accepted uh, a call at the congregation I'd been uh, interning at for several months. So, uh, Lord willing, we'll be looking forward here in a couple weeks uh, to uh, an ordination service uh, by May 19th. And then me and my family will be sticking around in Iowa. So we're really looking forward to that. I know some people don't understand why we like Iowa, but. I don't, it's, it's I don't understand. Than, I won't say, Just I won't say what I'm thinking, but yeah, you do. <laughs> and actually, I mean, Andrew's not too far from me, really. I mean, we just saw him recently. Um, he's only about a, three to three and a half hour drive away and andrew what were we uh visiting you for yeah so on the evening of april 19th which if you subscribe to this channel there's a decent chance you saw it because we streamed it on this channel but it was my ordination and installation as the pastor at westminster orthodox presbyterian church here in hamill south dakota 
So although I've been serving here as stated supply for about six months or so, I sustained the last of my exams in the Presbytery of the Dakotas, um, was approved, and am now the minister here. I actually just this last Sunday served the Lord's Supper for both the first and second time. Uh, not that we uh, do communion twice in the same place. I'm actually providing <laughs> supply in the interim for another church as well. Uh, so yeah, ended up doing it twice in the same day, but uh, it's good. I'm still getting used to it. People calling me pastor and reverend since... I got licensed in the URC almost four years ago and had to get very used to correcting people when they would say things like that. Oh, no, I'm not the pastor. Uh, I'm I'm not ordained. I I cannot say or do this, that. Or, oh, wait, now I can. But <laughs> so that's the yeah. that's the updates. That's what we've been busy with these last six weeks or so since the last time we recorded and uh, why we haven't really been. Well, we've still been delivering content. We went through our best of Bobcast, did some blasts from the past, even gave you some uh, long-lost Bobcast that you never heard and we never put out. Uh, so it wasn't entirely reruns, but uh, anyway, so, but we're, it's good to be back now. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, at least good for us. Maybe not good for everyone else, but we like yeah. back and doing stuff. Yeah, we'll see how it is for the two people that are currently watching. I mean, I guess at least somebody and only somebody. That could just be us, too, monitoring the me. stream. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> oh, boy. Me and my well, account. <laughs> good. Nobody can see the video glitching out and stuff. It, it's not doing that anymore. Okay, so. Uh, no well, one so see my double chin. I guess at least we don't have to worry about offending anyone too bad when we talk about tonight's topic, which, Caleb, what is tonight's topic? Tonight's topic is the, the totally not controversial hot button issue and uh, discussion of transgenderism, which if you're looking at this video, watching it later or whatever, you'll see the title is The Law of God and the Transgender Crisis. So... Not just transgenderism in general, but transgenderism in relation to scripture. And also in crisis, because there has been a lot going on. A lot of it's been, uh, it's been pretty rough. It's been uh, very difficult for the church. It's been very uh, controversial and causing a lot of, of chaos and a lot of controversy and problems in society. Uh, just in recent weeks, while we've been away doing real life stuff, the we come back and it's kind of like the that meme with the dog and at the table with his cup of coffee and everything's on fire and he says, "This is fine, this is fine," except it's not really all that fine. <laughs> That's right, and even though we you say real life stuff, but I mean, and and the other and this is this is at the same time real life stuff that we're hearing. As we're not recording and, and, and whatever, as we're not discussing this stuff, all this stuff is still happening. Uh, this is stuff that we know uh, congregants, um, at least the congregations we've been around and other Christians we've spoken to are concerned with, at least most of them. Uh, this is real life stuff. And so we want to see how is this actually impacting this society. So, I mean... Um, 
Yeah, before we jump into uh, some of the, 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 the topics we have here, uh, any other thoughts, Andrew? Uh, preliminary thoughts? Um, let's just get right into it. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and state just what we were saying of, uh, of what I've written there in that outline. Um, so we're just say this is what it is. So the first thing that we want to talk about, we want to talk about uh, now. Now, in, in the past, we've talked about sphere sovereignty, right? The different areas and institutions in uh, culture um, that have their distinct, and yet there is some relationship between different institutions. We'll see what we mean in a second. But this first topic then is how have some of these different institutions in, or spheres in society? been affected by the uh this whole all the trans stuff going on i mean everybody's been watching the news or hearing something or other or seeing something on their social media right uh so what have been some of the things that we've been hearing about these these trans uh culture wars or the this transgender crisis so first oh (laughs) sorry you weren't saying anything so i was like okay (laughs) I, I can talk here too. Um, so probably one of the big events that first brought this into the wide cultural consciousness several months ago uh, was the goings on in Florida regarding the Walt Disney Company. Uh, essentially, what happened is Florida, which is uh, currently has a governor, you may have heard of. His name is Ron DeSantis. He is most likely going to be a 2024. Republican presidential candidate. He hasn't officially declared yet, but any day now he probably will. Uh, but essentially what happened is he, along with a conservative legislature there in the state of Florida, proposed a piece of legislation. I believe it was called the Parental Rights in Education or something to that. The real name doesn't matter because, well, it does matter, but uh, what it became known as in the public, despite having very little to do with the bill itself, became known as the Don't Say Gay Bill, the Don't Say Gay Law. And essentially what this law did is it put some actually relatively modest limitations on the public schools as far as uh, to what students at what ages could teachings on sexual orientation and gender identity be taught Um, in fact i believe if i remember correctly all it said was you couldn't teach them that until they were in like the fourth or fifth grade Um, so like i said a very modest restriction really one that i think most of us would say probably doesn't go far enough and yet what happened is the Uh, The blowback for this bill was intense, and it was national, and it was international. It drew the ire of the federal government. It drew the ire of all the various LGBT activists and activist groups around the country. Um, They gave it that name, the Don't Say Gay Bill. Most of the mainstream media was pushing the narrative that this was this hateful bill, that it was censorship, that it was book banning and book burning, that it was fascist, you know, all the labels that get applied to everything these days well uh so in florida as you might know perhaps the uh, one of the largest private employers and corporations based in florida is the walt disney company 
Disney initially stayed out of this controversy. Uh, they didn't really get involved. But what happened is there came a lot of pressure from within Disney, particularly from their employees and from other groups exerting influence on Disney to get them to take a position on this law. And uh, they came out in opposition to this law. Uh, essentially, uh, they capitulated to the LGBT lobby and opposed this bill. Now, in the process of this, some very fascinating things came out. There was footage of a meeting of Disney executives talking about how, for instance, they were very deliberately uh, putting LGBT materials into the children's content that Disney produces. Um, and lots of things of that sort. Essentially, Disney went all in on the LGBT agenda, including the transgender agenda. Now, this led to some retaliation against Disney. The state of Florida passed new legislation to strip away some of Disney's tax protections and other things, which are still to this day being litigated because this all happened... Now, it's probably getting close on a year ago now uh, when this initial controversy was going on, but it's still being battled here in Disney. But So what we see here, Disney is a major producer of entertainment... They are a major business, and particularly, they are focused on children. How many of the classic children's movies, uh, whatever else that you even you may have consumed if you're an adult now watching this, was Disney. And if you have kids, do your kids watch Disney content? Plus, Disney owns so many other things, too. They own ABC. They own ESPN. They own... Uh, an ever-growing, ever-increasing... Yeah, do they own... Yeah, they do own Fox now. Fox, National Geographic, yeah, yeah. Hulu. So you can go on and on with this list. <laughs> so what you see is uh, a very significant player, a very significant portion of our media and entertainment apparatus just uh, completely captured and completely sold out to the LGBT and including, and even particularly as it's the most hot button issue now, the trans agenda. Yeah, it's, um, you know, on, on that very same uh, aspect. I mean, it, it's interesting where you you don't see too much going on with even the, the uh, homosexual discussion now um, with uh, with Disney. I mean, the the right now it's it's that uh, it's that state uh, litigation that's taking the, the, the focus of uh, this this them trying to battle with transgenderism. They have no qualms about putting homosexual content, uh, homosexual characters on their, um, their platforms. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's things like, uh, what was that weird show? Uh, that weird movie that just came, came out uh, strange world. Um, right. I mean, the, the home, the, the, the main character is, uh, you know, without any, um, you know, without being subtle at all, the main character is is a homosexual, and he has a crush on a uh, you know on, on on a male character. And like, there's the the when his dad like asks him, "Oh, who do you have a crush on?" and he says the guy's name. You know, there's like zero response from the dad, like zero issue. He's just like, "Oh, that's cool." You know, like as if it was uh, any teenage boy um, saying he has a crush on a girl. Um, whereas just a, it was just a few years ago with the movie uh, Onwards, I think that was 2000, 
20 or so, uh, where they just had a uh, subtle uh, homosexual character um, just lightly slipped in, a very tiny minor character in a short scene. But now it's like there's no problem with that. Um, and, you know, and when, when these things come up, I mean, there, there's been the, the, the gay kiss and I think one of the, the uh, Marvel movies, right? The, the Immortals, I think it was. Also, I, I uh, Lightyear, this, but I think had something. Oh, like yeah, Lightyear, too. So you, you have, uh, what, let's just say, just from what we've named, let's just say four movies within the past couple of years. And, I mean, they have been, they've been plummeting in their stocks. I mean, they, they've, they've lost some now. Uh, I'm sure many people know this, this already. But I mean, they've lost some over $4 billion, uh, in their revenue um, just in the past uh, year. Um, I mean, I think, you know, they, they, they keep saying like, oh, this Buzz Lightyear movie bombed or this Strange World movie bombed uh, because, uh, you know, it was for uh, it was too mature of a theme or our, our, our listen our, 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 our viewers, our audience didn't get it. You know, it, it's a little bit too much for them. Or I they'll mean, just you're... blame broader downturns in the movie industry which is interesting because you yeah, look at yeah. other movies other studios mm-hmm. are putting out like doing great you could think of top gun last year you could think of the now the super mario movie which are like super breaking yeah. breaking box office records um even despicable me the fourth despicable me movie or whatever it is like they're like oh you know people just like you know want a familiar character or you know a formula and it's like mm, no you're trying weird formulas you're you're trying you're trying too much and trying to push various agendas. And we've been talking about just the homosexual aspect of it. There's all the, you know, climate elements. There's, uh, there was, there was a movie uh, that they put up on, on Disney plus that was all about menstruation. It's like, okay, who wants to watch that? There's even issues too, (laughs) where it starts to run up into like critical race theory and issues of that. We're like, now they're doing Mm -hmm. all these, live action remakes of the classic animated films and uh they're recasting historically white characters as minorities uh in just about every situation where they can um you know because it does seem dare whitewash yeah uh (laughs) you know that we've talked about before this issue of intersectionality and a critical theory and they, these groups always end up running together uh now disney is not the only example from the world of entertainment where we've seen this sort of institutional capture and where we've seen capitulation to these kind of agendas uh just another example and i just thought of it it wasn't on the list but uh we've also seen a backlash against probably the most popular non-disney media franchise of our generation uh, J.K. Rowling is the author of the Harry Potter series of books, which have all been turned into movies. Of I never got into it. I, I, I don't get it, but I hear that's a thing. I'm, for people. I'm into it. Okay, fine. So, so you just hate fantasy? Not really. I like I like Dune, but anyway, <laughs> that we're gonna have this debate on air later. Okay, stay tuned. Not this episode because we're already not moving way too slow. But um, yeah, yeah, J.K. Rowling. Uh, author of the Harry Potter series, um, is generally progressive, generally a feminist, generally would support like gay rights and everything, but has essentially been canceled because she has rejected the categories and ideologies of transgenderism. She has 
become what is known as a TERF, T-E-R-F, an acronym for Trans-Exclusionary Reactionary Feminist, I believe is what the the acronym means. And what it essentially means is, uh, you know, someone who is otherwise a progressive, someone who is otherwise on the political left and generally in favor of the sexual revolution, but rejects transgenderism. And what you start to see in this is you see how these various elements, even of like the LGBT community, they're not compatible. There starts to be the LG and the B realizing they're losing their power losing their influence to this hyper-focus on the T. Now, J.K. Rowling, as far as I know, she's not any of those. But just an example, I mean, she's a feminist and, like I said, generally progressive. But because she refuses to go along with the new orthodoxy, which is transgenderism, she's canceled, she's unpersoned. Um, yeah. Here, can you screen share? <laughs> um, I can't. Feel that's... Funny. Oh, that's sad. It's like Exhibit A. That's hilarious. Oh, well. <laughs> well, anyway. But, but we can share it like on the Twitter yeah, or something later. That's true. So, um, But you can follow at the bottom I of mean, your screen. You see our addresses. I mean, it, yeah, so it, it's, it's a whole another level of like just deep irony, right? I mean, uh, so the meme I just shared, which we'll, we'll, we'll put on Twitter or whatever later, um, you know, it talks, it, it's a... Uh, it's uh, I don't know what you call that one, but basically a guy crying. Uh, it's really showing a Christian. They have like a little cross, but you know, it says uh, looking at J.K. Rowling, "You're an evil satanic agent of the devil. You're corrupting our children with your witchcraft books. You shall burn in hell for thousands of years." Um, and then J- the hate J.K. Rowling gets now. Uh, now with a liberal with dyed hair. You are a hateful, bigoted, transphobic Nazi. You're hurting millions of trans people with your bigoted hate speech. You should be jailed for hate crime. <laughs> it's, yeah, such deep irony of how tables turn. We're now, like, I guess, like, you could say so-called, you know, conservatives uh, are, are defending rolling. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it goes far beyond, of course, the trans. Uh, the, 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 pardon me, the, the entertainment industry. Let's let's talk uh, economy. How about the most like one of the more recent and perhaps popular um, issues that have popped up? Uh, this, of course, is in the realm of economy with businesses pandering to uh, the transgender uh, fad. Um, we are referring to Budweiser and uh, their. Uh, I don't know what you'd want to call it. They're they're unofficial. Uh, <laughs> they're unofficial poster boy, Dylan Mulvaney. Um, and of course, we know. Yeah, they 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 had just sent him a. Uh, so let's just talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney. You want to tell the narrative <laughs> for those of you who don't know who Dylan Mulvaney is? Honestly, probably just shut this show off because if you don't know, you're better not knowing. But if you actually do want to know, so Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, is a man. He was a Broadway actor, a moderately successful one, uh, who over the last, really only about a year, uh, transitioned, now identifies as a woman, now as a social media influencer, posts these really ridiculous and absurd and obnoxious videos. Uh, his shtick is not only does he identify as a woman, he basically like identifies as a a young girl 
And so b- dresses and acts and behaves along those lines. It's very strange. It's very creepy. Uh, you know, kind of shows some of the depths of the disorder uh, in this movement. And yet, Dylan Mulvaney has been getting all sorts of major corporate endorsement deals. Uh, the, the first one where I heard of him was when he was in the news because he got an endorsement from Ulta Beauty, which is a chain mm-hmm. of stores that sells beauty products primarily directed at women. It was him and another uh, male-to-female trans influencer. They were doing a video together, and that sparked the initial controversy. But uh, the one that has really blown up the largest and blown up recently was... Uh, On the one-year anniversary of his gender transition, Dylan Mulvaney had this big celebration in New York City, and it was very absurd and ridiculous, Uh, parading around, acting like a girl, going on these shopping sprees and all that. Well, in commemoration of his one year of girlhood, uh, Bud Light, led by this uh, young woman, new marketing executive named Alyssa Heinerscheid, uh, I basically they gave Dylan Mulvaney some custom Bud Light cans that had his face on them, him as a girl, and uh, I don't know. I find it hard to believe they would have actually done this without like it being an actual endorsement where he was paid. Because why bother? Um, but they kind of once this blew up, they kind of tried to play it off. And, oh, this was unofficial. Nobody really decided on this or anything. But it's like somebody had to make those cans. So anyway, and he put it in one of <laughs> his videos, and the backlash was large and fast, and it provoked a major boycott that's been going on for a few weeks now. And at last, I heard uh, sales of Bud Light uh, are down about twenty one percent. Since yeah, this happened, which is huge. I mean, this is a company that does billions of dollars, billions with a B dollars of sales just in that product line. Now, whatever you think of beer, and we don't need to get into that discussion here. Um, this is a major company, a big business in America, uh, that they capitulated to the trans ideology and the trans agenda. And Yet it seems there's actually been a fairly successful effort to organize against it and to boycott and uh, to force at least some changes. This executive, she's been placed on indefinite leave, um, which is... she's She has officially been replaced at this point, really. Right. <laughs> there hasn't been an official yeah. real apology, but there has at least been some backpedaling and they realize, oh, we've... We've really done it this time. That's, actually, that that's one of the funny things because it's uh, a lot of the uh, so a lot of the um, demographic you could say that had been vocal at the very uh, beginning of this let's just call it controversy. Uh, um, called I mean it's it's stupid. Budweiser's stupid move, but it's a uh, for all intents and purposes a media controversy, and uh, a lot of it was. Um, country uh, musicians and uh, those in kind of those general uh, uh, networks um, as well as kind of rural America bars. Um, it was, it was working class America. Um, I'm not saying that's all there was, but it, it was uh, those who aligned more with conservative traditional values. And, you know, we have a term sometimes called the silent majority. Basically the, 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 a lot of the, uh, 
this actual silent majority that usually doesn't say stuff got really mad. Uh, you know, this this was their uh, this is uh, a pretty common beer you're going to find in basically every single place that serves beer in America. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that raised the awareness through Twitter and so on and so forth. And, you know, uh, the local bar down the street, you know, started rejecting uh, Bud uh, uh, Budweiser and Bud Light uh, deliveries. But this I mean, this this one so far is uh, so the, the main company is uh, Anheuser-Busch. Um, they, they have at least 32, uh, brands of beer, um, that aren't under the bud, uh, the bud name ones that everybody knows, or I mean, like, like people that drink beer or whatever, you know, from Michelob to Stella Artois, uh, natural light and so on. I mean, they're way more than that, but so, I mean, this, this touched a pretty large amount of their revenue. Right. Um, because Bud Light uh, was far and away their most popular brand and the most popular oh, brand yeah. of beer in America. So it uh so far they are down about five billion. Yeah. It is. So. Um so the uh that aside, um but that aside, you know, uh, just a couple days ago, uh you know, Budweiser or Anheuser Busch uh tried to uh, you know, tried to then, like Andrew said, not apologize. They have not issued any kind of apology of any sort, realizing they touched a nerve that people don't want this pressed on them. They instead put out a commercial of like it looks like a you know a group of people at a at a country uh, at a country music festival, and you know it starts to rain, and you know the the the, the four main actors in this commercial are wearing like you know. Uh, are wearing, uh, you know, cowboy boots and, you know, blue jeans, uh, you know, Daisy Dukes or whatever, you know, and, and they, they, uh, they come together as it starts raining and they, you know, they, they open up a pop open a can of, of Budweiser, uh, of Budweiser. So it's like, they're, they're trying to, you know, appeal again to their, their country, uh, uh rural working class American demographic, you know, and it's, it's just, and it's obviously not working. <laughs> it's, uh, in fact, it only made people uh, angrier and <laughs> realizing like, wow, way to just pander at every turn. And this is exactly it. It's not just Budweiser, but this has been a really huge representative of uh, a really great example of all these companies that are just that are just. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to jump on this bandwagon and fad without thinking of the whether they care or not about the issues at stake. You know, they're, they're just trying to make a buck off America or whatever else. Well, it, what it boils down to is they would rather see literally billions of dollars in revenue uh, to basically be on board with this ideology because while it's not good for business from a profit standpoint, clearly the power... And the influence in America has been so redistributed that if you are not on board with the trans agenda, you are anathema. You are to be canceled. You are to be unpersoned. You are to be deplatformed. All the things that come with it. Um, so that's well, just and this. Hmm. Well, one more, one more on that. With on actual Dylan Mulvaney, um, the uh, you know that, that's. You think about like the kind of person, though, that uh, the kind of portrayal that these transgenders give off. 
of the sort of like, oh, what what are they trying? What this guy? What is he? What's his idea of a woman that he's trying to portray? And you were talking about uh, you're talking about an interesting point of it. Like he's trying to portray this kind of like rather young girl. And this is a man trying to pretend he's like this little young girl. And uh, a number of women like that were frustrated with this whole transgenderism stuff and Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, it wasn't just that, but he's like portraying like the kind of like dumb airheaded, you know, ditzy girl too. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it it's, this is, this is part of the thing that I think also JK Rowling was, uh, uh that, that she gets offended with. And, uh, she talks about often like it's, yeah, it, it is denigrating to like, okay, what, what an actual, you know, to, uh, to the, I don't know, the breadth and diversity you could say of, of women, um, like, you know, I'm not a, I'm no, I'm no, like, you know, I'm no, you know, second, third wave feminist or whatever, but I think we can stay still safely say like, you know, yeah, women are capable of stuff. Um, you know, women are smart. This, uh, there's, there's been like various movements in over the past hundred years and kind of trying to show, okay, what well, what is, you're trying to deal with this question of what's a woman's place in society or whatever. But this, Still an old anything is basically like, I mean, what's, what is, what is he actually famous for? He's famous for pretending to be a girl. And not just like a normal girl, like the most obnoxious caricature of a girl. Exactly. And I think that's another thing where, I mean, you, you get another layer of irony, which is one more, uh, you've had, um, Bruce Jenner, (laughs) Bruce Jenner, uh, coming out on this, uh, you know, on this whole thing, <laughs> we could we could do a whole Fox up. News personality, Fox News spokesperson, yeah, spokesperson, yeah. one of them. But like, good job, conservative and, and, and media. He's and he and he identifies as a conservative. <laughs> pun pun intended, but he he identifies as a as a conservative. Um, and making these kind of comments of like, well, this is you know, uh. Yeah, he, he talks about this very thing of like people kind of playing off this whole transgender thing and talking about how it's disgusting and wrong, <laughs> and, and well, well, talking about like how it's. Uh, anyways, I don't. Know. We'll get into Bruce Jenner a whole other time, but anyways, Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, aside from like um, you were talking about uh, uh, Bud, there was Nike, there was Ulta, there was um, Instacart, Maybelline. Uh, he has all these sponsorships another from one Maybelline. Recently. Yeah. Maybe he was born with a no, no, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so, all right, that's 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 enough on economy for now. Yeah, and uh, it's affected other areas. You can think of sports. We won't go in detail on this, but the whole uh, controversy the last couple years regarding Leah Thomas, the swimmer from the University of Pennsylvania, uh, a man. A very mediocre male swimmer on the men's team decides before his senior year, oh, actually, I'm a woman, and I'm going to go swim with the girls and and defeat them all soundly because of the natural physical advantages that a man has. Um, You can also look now at the situation we have regarding education. You're seeing a lot of uprising in a lot of states, a lot of new laws being introduced, similar to what Florida did. Uh, that set off the battle with Disney. Uh, this isn't to say it's all smooth sailing in red states in the state I live in in South Dakota. There was an article published a couple months ago by National Review describing how Sanford Health, which is the largest private employer in South Dakota, has essentially been pressing trans ideology in South Dakota and has been holding up bills in the legislature 
that might have uh, slowed down or removed some of these activities in public schools and the like. Um, yeah, so it's getting everywhere. And then oh, it's, one more on one more on that fast with the statistic. It's uh, the article I sent you yesterday. Yeah, that we're seeing. Uh, now I'd, I'd like to look through a little bit more verification on this still, but I was reading an article that was posted on a site called Breitbart, B-R-E-I-T-B-A-R-T. Um, one in four high school students identify on the LGBTQ, et cetera, spectrum. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's getting to be a, uh, I mean, you're basically not safe at school if you're not, uh, identifying somewhere in that, uh, in that bracket, uh, bracket. Um, they quote, uh, you know, uh oh, my video, ah, I'll keep talking. Ah. I can still hear you. Okay, but yeah. See. So anyways, it's basically this. Uh, this <laughs> it's interesting that the, the those data that was collected by uh, the Center for Disease Control, um, <laughs> that CDC was uh, was reflecting data of some twelve point one percent of students, fourteen to eighteen year olds, say that they are bisexual. Three point two percent say they're gay or lesbian. Three point nine percent say other. Five point two percent say they are questioning. Uh, I mean, like that's. What is that? Five, eight. Uh, that's about 24 to 25 percent of school kids, 14 to 18. Yeah. I mean, these are just uh, very high numbers and especially compared to where they were not that long ago, um, which yeah. is really fascinating. I mean, it seems to kind of put the lie to this whole narrative we've been told for several years now regarding, for instance, homosexuality. And they always say, well, we're born this way. Um were you? Were you born this way, or is there uh, a very obvious social contagion element that people are seeing the uh, pressure as well as the power and influence that can be derived from identifying in one of these categories? Um, and maybe it's Maybelline again. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Well, turned, Caleb, you off. No, I turned it off to try to. Oh, okay. There hey, you're back. Should be working. Yeah, all right. it'll pop up soon on. All right. Excellent. Anyways, so let's hit the real the real thrust here. Yeah. What we're because we're not here to just simply tell you we're not here to be yet another yet another news and commentary show. We are the once for all delivered podcast, and we're here to talk about the law of God and the word of God as it pertains to these issues. And so the big question that arises from all of this is the question of what does this mean for Christians? What does this mean for the church? As we see so much of society being given over, uh, capitulating to the transgender ideology and this transgender movement, what do we do? And essentially the choice that is set before us is the choice that is always set before us whenever we're having to deal with uh, whatever issues the spirit of the age is putting before us, we have to choose. Uh, do we appease? Do we accept? Do we tolerate? Do we uh, allow this to have a place? Or do we resist? And if we resist, when do we resist? How do we resist? Uh, what constitutes legitimate resistance? Um, essentially, how do we deal with this new and pervasive evil in our culture and in our society. Yeah, it's 
you know, uh, perhaps this question's a little bit silly, not, uh, both what you've said, but then also this question, uh, how much of this is actually a threat? Is, mm-hmm. is this transgender crisis a threat? Um, and, uh, because, uh, again, perhaps you're listening, watching whatever, and, uh, you're thinking, well, duh, of course. Well, some people in, uh, in various circles will say, uh, no, it's, you're blowing this out of proportion, you know? Um, but it's, you know, we're asking, like, really, uh, look how much this is affected, uh, this is affecting, and how fast. I mean, uh, the, we spent quite a time just now talking about how transgenderism is affecting these various spheres. Uh, what right is there to actually do that, for them to do this? Um, right. So how, how is it that they're... Com- how is it that the church does not have a right to push back? Um, I mean, ha- and realize, realize too, that we talked about all of these developments. We have not even yet talked about the most significant development in this issue recently, the shooting at the covenant school, a PCA affiliated school in Nashville, where a trans shooter, uh, murdered six people. And I think what we saw in that is a a point of no return, a point that is going to forever change uh, what this issue and uh, the issues related to this issue look like for Christians and for the church going forward. And if we, we want to, if we want to use like this this kind of social, uh, the socio term, uh, sociological term of intersectionality, we can say this is where we see an enormous like intersection point uh, in the conflation of spheres. Um, I mean, in, in, in how this transgenderism, uh, basically just, just illicitly enters into these various areas, which to me, this, this is, that's an enormous hint of, of talking about the, what really drives this whole transgender crisis. Transgenderism is a religion. We're going to, uh, and, and really, I mean, I, I mean, it's a facet of a, of a religion of secularism, of humanism. Uh, we can come back on that in a little bit here. Um, we talk about a little update on our uh, on Satanism <laughs> briefly, but uh, right now here a regular yeah, feature on Satanism. Satanism. That's right. We're coming. We're coming back to talk about Satanism. Um, so, but right here, what, what Andrew's saying though is, uh, you know, this uh, this is the crux, a point of no return, because we're seeing so many areas of society being touched in this one single <laughs> and this one single um action uh i mean it uh, the the political element of it is um that's where we could start and talking about the background and let's let's not belabor this i'm sure whoever's listening uh knows a good bit of what occurred there we don't want to we don't want to belabor this 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 horrific act Mm-hmm. But a lot of the driving factor was simply uh, Tennessee, in in some manner, similar to what Florida had done last year, and many states had followed since. Tennessee was putting in place trans restrictions, particularly for minors. In other words, not doing this gender affirming care, as they call it, or uh, putting kids under the, you know uh, under the under the knife. Um, you know, slicing and dicing or forcing uh, biology, uh, biology changing um, uh, drugs on them without parental consent or anything. That was the law. 
that, that, that that's what was put in place and this sparked um sparked a fire amongst the trans community and those who support the trans community there in Tennessee and elsewhere. Um, now we do not have yet. We understand that the shooter left a manifesto. Um, what is fascinating is usually when there is a shooting like this and the shooter leaves a manifesto, we usually have it within about a day or two available mm-hmm. to the public. Uh, it has now been what almost a month now. We have nothing. There's some talk that it may be released. So we have not heard the shooter's stated reasons, but it would seem from the facts surrounding the case, including some statements made by the Nashville Police Department, this happened as a targeted attack against Christians because they were Christians and because of what Christians, at least Orthodox Christians, think about transgenderism and believe about transgenderism. Yeah, and you're you're right. That this it's been about 35 days. Um, just just emphasizing that point. Actually, in the past, uh, I don't know if it's been at least over a week now. Uh, no, the the Tennessee Firearms Association uh, has has sued um, the uh, Metro Police Department there uh, to release the uh, manifesto because they have not disclosed even the contents uh, in 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 summary or paraphrase or whatever. Nothing. So. Anyways, just just to your point there, right? So um, even then, with the with the limited facts, we do have this very clearly points to a targeted attack on Christians because they are Christians by a transgender person because that person is transgender. Uh, that person was a woman who was identifying as a man and was transitioning uh, to male or tra- you know as much as that can happen, it can't really happen, but going through whatever that involves. Now, another layer to this is Caleb hinted at some of the medical procedures involved. I mean, one of the issues in medical transition is at a minimum, uh, you start taking various drugs. You start taking, if you're young enough, you take puberty blockers, which are the same drugs used for chemical castration uh, in states that practice that for criminal punishment. Um, And then there's hormones. You take hormones. You take a bunch of, if you're transitioning to male, you take a bunch of testosterone. What does testosterone do? You know, back when you were a kid in school, they told you not to take steroids and you might get roid rage if you do. That's what Mm -hmm. steroids are, the kind you would take for that would be extra testosterone or things that cause your body to produce more testosterone. Um, These drugs can cause a person to become unstable and to become violent. Um, it's just, and these are the things that, uh, I mean, if enough people are watching this, we could get kicked off YouTube just for talking about. Um, but it is the facts that go into these things. And one of the, uh, uh, and, and, and a kind of counter movement that's been occurring the past, uh, at least the past year, um, and has been gaining further and further momentum, which, uh, should really be looked at if you want to hear more about the realities uh, of, yes, of what you already know of transgenderism, but how much these medical procedures um, wreak havoc on, on a young person's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you search for detrans activism or the detrans, detransitioning, detrans movement, and just read the accounts of people who... Uh, became transgender, if you will, uh, as far as they can, who, who identified as transgendered, underwent these procedures, took the hormones or whatever for several years, how they became trans, which often, more often than not, has to do with media influence, 
and uh, especially social media and things platforms like Tumblr and TikTok. And, then, and TikTok, yeah, TikTok's another huge one. But how these 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 movements and social pressure, even peer pressure in the media, has uh, had basically brainwashed them. Mm-hmm. This is almost almost universal in these in this in this group in this movement. Uh, but yeah, how, how they how it didn't make them any happier. In fact, their lives got worse and worse and worse. And then them coming out of that movement and trying to enter back into this really difficult uh, process of affirming their birth gender. Even though by this point, I mean, they've they've mutilated their bodies perhaps to the point where, you know, they lack many of the natural features and expressions of their birth gender. And just one thing is, you know, we're looking at how do we approach these issues for Christians. This is going to be a pastoral issue in years to come. That's probably not something that most of us have had to deal with is we may very well have people coming into our churches that uh, have transitioned, have detransitioned, bear the physical and psychological and spiritual scars that that brings. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to figure out how do we care? How do we best care for these people? Um, on, on a flip element, on the flip element of it, uh, what about those not detransitioning, but those who are so-called transitioning, right? There, there are those in, and perhaps this is more, this will perhaps be more abundant. Um, uh, we, we could already think, I'm sure you and I both have individuals uh, in congregations, if we're formed congregations in our own denominations, that uh, transition, mm-hmm. if you will, identify as something in the LGBTQ uh, and then, you know, leave, uh, excommunicate themselves yeah, from the church for because, you know, because they're going to enter into discipline because they're refusing pastoral care. Or you have parents who maybe their child, their children, one of their children embraces one of these identities, a homosexual identity or a trans identity. And the pressure is very great on that, pre- on that parent to either embrace this and accept this, or not only will I leave or shun you, but it even goes so far as if you don't, I'll kill myself. Um, the suicide threat is constant and it's become... Uh, very particularly wielded and weaponized by people within this movement. Um, or simply the, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, the shunning and not, not, not shunning, not even just shunning from say the parents, the Christian parent or whatever, but from the child who has identified as LGBTQ, that's becoming more of a constant reality too of children who not only are ex- being excommunicated themselves from the church for these matters, but then won't talk or have a seriously damaged relationship with their own parents because mm-hmm. of this and th- their stance. Yeah. And so having laid out some of the, uh, some of the issues, have we laid out the issues in so far as we want yeah, to? Yeah, pretty yeah, I think we've pretty much covered most pretty of much. the bases. So now we have to answer this question. Well, there's a few questions we need to ask. Um, looking at the church, looking at the church as an institution and also the church as an organism, because, you know, 
given the the school of thought we are a part of and represent, we're concerned with both. Uh, how does the church as the church deal with these sorts of things? One of the issues that came up in these last six weeks while we were gone is there was an article that our former professor, R. Scott Clark, published, and he published it actually the week of the Covenant shooting. Probably not the best timing to do this sort of thing, but he, well, essentially the background is there is an overture to the PCA General Assembly this summer. It's already been approved through the Presbytery, and we'll go to the GA. But it essentially calls on the federal government to renounce the sins of transgenderism. So it would be the PCA as a denomination, as a church, uh, basically making such a statement directly to the federal government. Uh, Dr. Clark wrote an article taking the position that uh, basically because of the doctrine of the spirituality of the church, uh, this is not a matter which the church should be speaking directly to the government concerning that it does not so directly concern the church that such an action is necessary. Uh, he cited for his, uh, for his side, uh, A.A. A. Hodge. Yeah, A.A. A. Hodge's commentary on the Westminster Confession of Faith. A very short quote out of that work. Um, saying that the spirituality of the church, and it was commenting on, is that, yeah, chapter 31 of the Westminster Standards, or the Westminster Confession, uh, pertaining to uh, cases extraordinary in which the church may petition the civil magistrate. And he said, uh, based on Hodge's interpretation of that, uh, as well as his own, this did not constitute a case extraordinary where the magistrate should be petitioned. Now, we had a little bit of a, we, as in like through our OFAD Twitter account, had a little bit of an exchange with Dr. Clark about this. One of the issues when you're looking at A.A. Hodge is you have to reckon with what did A.A. Hodge actually believe about the civil government. If we're talking about cases extraordinary, what is ordinary? Well, Hodge believed, among other things, that magistrates should be Christian. He believed that they should promote the Christian moral law. Uh, so things like even public observance of the Sabbath was a very important issue, not just for A. a. Hodge. Charles Hodge also said that uh, if a society doesn't protect the Sabbath, it's grounds for revolution. And A.A. A. Hodge, in that same commentary on the Westminster, said that citizens have a right to rebellion. And the reason that I, we, I raised that point when I uh, made my comments I did on Dr. Clark's article was that is the context in which Hodge is writing. And we need to look at Hodge in his context and not just pull quotes from him devoid of that context. We need to establish the ordinary before we can establish the extraordinary. But also we have to recognize this is just A.A. Hodge's comments. He's a later commentator on the Westminster. He wasn't one of the divines. He wasn't even one of the revisers of the American revisions of the Westminster Standards. So um, I, I think that uh, Dr. Clark's argument falls short here. I do, for one thing, I think this is to severely downplay the impact this is having on the church. Now, it seems that he planned to make this statement before the Covenant shooting. And in the Covenant shooting, we see the most direct effect this has had on the church and that it is an act of violence against a church and a church-associated school. But even before that, 
I think you would be very hard-pressed to say this is not a matter of direct concern to the church when you see the things we've described, how, for instance, it's been tearing families apart in our churches, how the LGBT community at large and the transgender community specifically have tried to force their agenda and force the churches to accept them or force churches to be silenced, tried to use coercive major uh, measures to silence uh, churches in their public evangelism and public witness and things of that sort. You don't have to look very far to find this stuff. Well, the uh, there, there's uh, two, two things, too, that I was going to bring up earlier that I reserved um, <clears throat> for this. You're, I mean, you're, you're seeing an abundance of literature on this as well, uh, secular and uh, in Christian publishing or whatever. Um, so, I mean, it's something that's being talked about. And in fact, um, it's been referred to as uh, the transgender moment uh, that we are living in this transgender moment. Uh, one of these these books that has come up and come out and talking about this is when Harry became Sally responding to the transgender moment. This is uh, the era of what they call uh, what 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 uh, secular um, groups will call the gender revolution. So we've we've. We've gone beyond the sexual revolution. Is well, is is sex something that concerns the church? Is sex something that the church should have ever spoken to? And and not just saying uh, it, not not I don't mean in in terms of male uh, of you know, write on your legal document uh, you are a male, you are a female. Not not the so called birth sex versus gender so called distinction, but. Uh, in terms, which is of an artificial sexual. distinction, exactly. Yeah, what, what I mean by yeah, so-called distinction. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, but but the, the sexuality, the actual act of sex, uh, pornography in society, and so on, are these things that the church shouldn't talk about? Um, mm-hmm. The 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 nature of the nature of this that that has us concerned is uh, just just one example, one small example in the LGBTQ sphere that I was going to point at. Uh, last year was the, uh, in the CRC's synod, um, you know, there was the homosexuality question. Uh, there was going to be a presentation um, of the uh, report of the findings on uh, human sexuality uh, by the community, by the study committee for the CRC. It had been delayed a couple years because of COVID stuff, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Um, the report came forward and, you know, it, it generally had a, a pretty, we could say orthodox position on things. Perhaps there was, they were soft on, they were soft on some statements uh, here and there. Um, you but, also have to bear in mind that this is the CRC we're talking about. I mean, this yeah, is a oh, yeah. denomination that's pretty far down the road as far as issues of the sexual revolution compared with, say, you know, this the URC, which split off of the CRC in the 90s, where Caleb serves, or the OPC, where I serve. Um, and that and that's the thing where, I mean, first, well, let's just put it to this. Let's just put it to this question. Why is this a question at all? Why is this becoming, why is this an area of study and argumentation, right? Why is this a necessity uh, why should there be a question on how do we deal with uh, people, uh, th- this homosexual thing in the church? Uh, how can they be members? How do we deal with transgenderism in society and in church? 
first of all, the CRC already had a, a, a synod with a study committee on uh, on human sexuality in the 1973 report number 42. The, it had already occurred, but apparently that's not settled and bind, binding. <laughs> and so they wanted to do it again. But anyways, the the majority report here, uh, the synod uh, of last year's synod, it was uh, it was adopted with a 75% vote to adopt. Now, a lot of people in the CRC see this as a um, as a victory, and I'm not meaning to necessarily bash on the CRC here, um, but they, they, they're celebrating this as a as a huge victory. I, I have a hard time seeing as a victory, um, especially if you've been following any of the fallouts since afterwards with the Calvin uh, Seminary professors, the official seminary of the denomination, uh, where there's professors that anonymously are stating that they will not follow the uh, the sentence decision. Um, and, and some openly are, as well. Openly, too, but are also being protected by the board. Um, mm-hmm. but the no disciplinary actions actually being taken to enforce this decision. But the, the point here being 75% affirmed the approved, the, uh, majority report on human sexuality. How is 75% a victory? Why is it not 100%? Right. And Cause that means you're you, left with at least 25% who don't. Exactly. And it's, we put that same question to we could put that same question. Why was this a matter in the PCA? Uh, you know, with the Greg Johnson case, uh, with the revoice. Why is there a study needing to be done if there is not a cultural moment, if you to use that phrase, the transgender moment affecting the church and her witness? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and so all that to say, uh, I think it's I think it's missing the mark to say that this is not an issue that uh, sufficiently uh, affects the church or constitutes a case extraordinary because we also see, I mean, how not just what the effect it's had in the church but in all spheres of life. There's basically it's very hard to even get away from this stuff now. Like if you wanted to go live in the reddest red state under a rock where none of this is happening, you'd still be very hard pressed to find a place where it is. Like I said, I mentioned here in South Dakota, it's advanced. Um, My home state of Wyoming, another one of the reddest states in the country. There's a sorority at the university of Wyoming uh, that now has admitted a trans man to so someone who is naturally biologically male to live in their sorority house in Wyoming. Um, it's everywhere. It's in all spheres of society in all places around this country. You cannot get away from it. You can try to run, but at some point you're going to have to stand up and do something else because running's not going to cut it. That's actually a really good point too. In that my, uh, my own uh, alma mater for my bachelor's, uh, I, I went to a Christian college, um, and they, uh, uh, you know, they, they were known as a fundamentalist 
school. They're founded as a uh, fundamentalist dispensational school, uh, strongly affiliated with Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, several, you know, several years ago when I was a student, there was the uh, there was a Title IX, you know, the the Title IX issue uh, of, of transgenders protesting outside of uh, outside of my school, um, you know, because we didn't allow uh, uh, homosexuals, let alone transgenders, uh, into the dorms. And made them sign a statement of faith against these things, basically. But um, now, I mean, there's openly gay people, uh, openly gay couples uh, on the campus. Um, you know, I mean, it's a matter of time before there's transgenders. This is a so-called Christian Bible college. I just remembered another story, too, from the University of Wyoming, my alma mater. Um, there was last year, there's an elder, and I knew him from my time there that's some years ago but he's still been there he's an elder in a baptist church there in laramie uh and he, he for years and years has had a table that he sets up in the student union mm -hmm. there and he's evan evangelism he's telling people about jesus he's talking to people uh, about his christian faith well he got banned from campus for a year and his offense his crime was that he misgendered a student uh, basically, uh, it was a man identifying as a woman, and he, you know, said the quiet part out loud. No, this person is a man. And for that, he, because he's a Christian and upheld Christian beliefs on this, was banned from this supposedly neutral public university. Uh, clearly, the university is taking sides. And let's, uh, let, let's be clear, actually. Um I want to. I want to actually come back into calling this question, uh, but let's be clear first. Um, we're entirely aware. Uh, we, Andrew and I, uh, are entirely aware that say the. Uh, just to say, we, we we know that someone like say Dr. Clark or, or uh, those who uh, might be in the two uh, Escondido Radical Two Kingdoms camp would say, uh, or rather if we want to put it this way, the twofold kingdom camp uh, that are, articulate things in this manner, that they would say that they know it's a trans, that there is a transgendered crisis. They would say, they would admit there is a crisis in society. Clark did use that exact language in his article. Yes. Um, so we, 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 we want to be clear. We're not, you know, we're, we're not looking to misrepresent and we're not looking to misunderstand their position. Uh, so th th they know there is a crisis, and we know there that Clark and others aren't saying that this doesn't affect the church and Christians. We know that what Clark and others are like him are, are saying is that this. His his article and uh, his article in position is stating that there is not a place uh, that this does not qualify as Andrew had used the language of a case extraordinary as an instance where the church can petition the government or tell the government what to do or bind the conscience of the government with scripture. That's a conflation of, of spheres. We know that is what Clark and others are, are saying, others who hold this twofold kingdom's position. 
We know they are saying this does not qualify. This is transgender crisis does not qualify as a case extraordinary to bind the conscience, to tell the government what to do, et cetera, et cetera. But what the, the question that, that we're calling here is what is a case extraordinary then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we, we, if not this, then what? What would it take? Because it, it even seems like with with uh, it, it seems. Let me, let me emphasize that that Clark would say uh, or has said in, in various other places on his blog, or others like him would say, you know, that even uh, in persecution, the point of death, that there doesn't seem to be a uh, uh, there may not be a legitimacy to petition the government, but to rather silently take it. Um, that there's only the instance of somewhere in the fourth century with uh, Justin Martyr in petitioning the government, but nowhere before that. Um, you know, COVID gets close to a uh, to a case where we might petition, even though at first, even though at first Clark was saying that there were that COVID was, uh, you know, we needed to obey the, co- the, 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 we needed to obey the government and its restrictions, its mandates. Mm-hmm. Um, he came down pretty hard on John MacArthur in, 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 uh, in, um, uh, Grace Community Church for this matter. Uh, what right. constitutes though an actual clear case extraordinary mm-hmm. when we it- have kids getting killed? Right. Yeah, we have kids getting killed. We have Christian evangelists no longer being allowed to do their work. We have uh, Christian employees and jobs who are losing their jobs. Their jobs are threatened. Uh, They can't work in certain industries anymore because they've been captured by this agenda and Christians cannot in good conscience go along with this. Yeah, where is that line? Um you know, to put it put it back maybe a little more directly to Dr. Clark, you know, uh, Doug, because one of his interests and one of the things that he does quite often is he, he does like to track and watch issues of religious liberty. I guess the question I would ask is, is to what ends? You know, you bring all these issues up. Where does the rubber hit the road? What 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 is the point of tracking these things where... Where is this all going? Where is the point where something actually needs to be done? And what is that thing that needs to be done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, this is you know, so understand, uh, you know, we, we, we ask this and are, and, and are reflecting on this with, all, with intended, you know, all due respect. Uh, like, the, this isn't, of course, any kind of personal element. Um, uh, you know, we've known Dr. Clark. Uh, at least in, in a personal, uh, in a personal respect, you yep. know, uh, as, as his students. So, I mean, we're, we're not looking to be, uh, you know, disparaging of him. Uh, we, you know, we don't, and actually let's make that statement here too. Um, when there was a letter that was circular, a, a false document that was circulating, um, a number of weeks ago, a satirical, uh, document, um, that was used the names of you know doctors Horton van Drunen and Clark uh, in a, a two kingdom statement um, that was yeah I mean it was a straw man it was a it was a straw a gross man. exaggeration it yeah it was satirical in its in its nature but it was also a slander 
And, um, you know, I mean, uh, Andrew was the moment he, he had saw it uh, posted online did state like, yeah, this isn't them. This isn't how they speak. Um, you know, we were considering, yeah, seeing if we if we wanted to make a post at the time saying, hey, this is a, you know, um, this is a gross uh, representation and a misrepre- misrepresentation and a, uh, yeah, a ninth commandment violation. And we did. Um, don't believe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so I mean, you know, we're not gunning to so-called get them or anything like that. But because that is our interest. We want the truth to be told. Yeah. We want to flesh these issues out. Uh, we've got questions. We've got concerns. Lots of other people do, too. Um, and especially, we you know, when we're dealing with hot button issues like this, there's a lot of people. They're looking for leadership. They're looking for how do you live? How do you deal with these kind of issues and pressures. So no, this isn't, we're not out to make this personal. We've been very clear in all our engagements with the yeah. Escondido two kings. I mean, I'm a graduate of the school. Caleb attended there for a time. Um, so again, this is not personal, but uh, we do need to deal with these issues. Um, yeah. So consider that a for the record. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, now we have, uh, I mean, we, we've been on here quite a while. But uh, we have one more topic that we can go through real quick on an update on Satanism. Actually, before we do that, just so we can be super extra clear, we'll come back to Satanism. There's always more time for Satanism and always more, more, always more Satanism to spend time on. Um, But just so we're clear. Because, again, we're not here to play pundits and we're not here to just merely talk about the political and cultural implications. But um, let us state very clearly and briefly the scriptural basis for why this matters and why we must be clear in our rejection of transgender ideology and why uh, this is such a problem and why it would provoke such action as you know, official responses from the church as the church. And that is because, and it is the title of the screen, screen, title of the stream, uh, the law of God, the word of God is very clear to the pertinent issues here. So uh, just a few verses. Uh, Obviously, the most pertinent one, Genesis chapter one, uh, talking about creation beginning in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle and all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what does this tell us pertinent to this issue? It tells us that God created male and female. He created each person, male or female. Now, we do recognize there are Exceptionally rare cases where uh, people are born with deformities, with chromosomal abnormalities and those sort of things. Um, 
Those are tragic. Those are consequences of the fall and sin. Those are distortion of the natural created order. But the natural and created order, uh, which is itself a moral order established by God, is that man, mankind, is created male and female. Now we also see within that certain purposes. One of them is to multiply. Obviously, uh all of the LGBT issues, but transgenderism specifically is hostile to the purpose of being fruitful and multiplying. Um, but yeah, so uh, we see how from creation, uh, these ideas of transgenderism, these concepts are precluded. Uh, our sex is not something that we can determine. It is not something that is fluid. It is not something that is socially constructed. It is creational and it is ordained by God. It belongs to our most fundamental nature. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I want to I want to pull out one one thing here too on some of the context of uh, the study report on of uh, homosexuality and human sexuality and from the CRC uh, report forty two in nineteen seventy three. Um, basically, the context uh, of, of that study was uh, that. Uh, the committee was appointed by a Senate in 1970 to study the problem of homosexuality and to delineate the church's position on this matter, uh, to quote the, the report. But the occasion for the Senate's concern with the problem of homosexuality was the reception of an overture from the Council of the Christian Reformed Churches in Canada, Overture 23 in Acts 1970. That council requested Synod to appoint a study committee to prepare a report in which a, the attitude of the Christian Reformed Church, basically their position on homosexual membership to be examined, um, proposals for the official position, and uh, basically how to conceive of it and what to do uh, with, with homosexuality. Uh, in addition, it asks that proposals for setting up counseling and rehabilitative services for homosexuals, possibly in cooperation with the Christians groups, with Christian groups be presented. Uh, the council in Canada became involved in uh, became involved in the problem of homosexuality because legislative changes regarding homosexuality were under consideration by the government of Canada. So political context, the advisory committee of the council on contact with the government regarding homosexual acts supported with council approval the proposed changes in the laws of Canada. It supported the proposal that homosexual behavior between consenting adults in private should no longer be considered criminal offense. So it's a private affair. What does it have to do with uh, the church? The ground on which the council based its approval of the legislative changes was that it is not the task of the government to legislate private morality. And in support of this position, it cited Article 36 of the Belgian Confession. While the council went on to say that the new legislative, quote, provisions change the conditions under which the sinful act of homosexuality is deemed punishable by law, unquote, it wished to be clearly understood that by its support of these changes, it was not expressing, quote, the approval of the act of homosexuality itself, unquote. In fact, the council refers to the act of homosexuality as sinful. So, I mean, already there in 1970, you're seeing a uh, you're seeing a desire to not engage in uh, on one end, not engage in a, in a political level because you uh, this 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 appeal to a ground of of uh, of neutrality, or that this this statement of you cannot actually legislate private morality, 
um, that uh, there's also the remaining of uh, that you could hold to the position that, yeah, homosexuality is sinful in and of itself, but that doesn't have to do with the cultural element. Um, yet the, 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 the synod would go on uh, nonetheless to point out where there are uh, what actually is touched by scripture, what sort of topics. Um, on page 619, it just states, there are other Old Testament passages that bear on the subject of homosexual, uh, homosexualism, and it goes on for some citations. Um, Genesis 9, 21 to 27, which deals with homosexual incest. Deuteronomy 22, 5, which opposes transvestism, uh, transvestism, sorry. <laughs> Deuteronomy 23, 17, male prostitution, so on and so forth. This is something of, uh, for, for those outside of Dutch Reform circles and even, Actually, even in Dutch Reform circles, it's not a very well-known document anymore. It's not been read very much, but it is full of very rich resources on dealing with these. Um, but the very context that this report arose was in response to legislation in Canada. Yeah. And so what we see here is precedent, even recent precedent, though, uh, for the church to speak to these things in the face of government action. Um, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. look. Let's also plug. plug. New Reformation Ready? Catechism on Human Sexuality, written by Chris Gordon, URCNA minister. Uh, published by the Gospel Reformation Network. Helpful document. It, of course, has these questions and answers that Reverend Gordon has put together. Lots of scripture proofs. Great resource if you want to look more at the biblical doctrinal basis uh, for our position on issues of gender and sexuality. Yeah, and it's only about, like, uh, what I think... It's less than two bucks, I think, right, on, on Reformation Heritage, uh, Reformation Heritage books. Um, yeah. It's, it's less than a year old, and yeah, it's, it's very affordable, very short. But Probably can get it online, too. Learning. But yeah. worth having yeah, a hard copy, especially since, uh, well, like one book you mentioned before, when Harry became Sally, you know, it got, like, yeah. removed from Amazon and stuff, so, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it helps to have hard copies, particularly of things that deal with these sorts of issues. Yeah. But anyway. Well, returning to Satanism. Um, you just really want to get into Satanism, don't you? Oh, yes. Well, that's because... Uh, you want to go home and go done. to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, the last time we had... Uh, last time we had done... Uh, uh, when we did our first live show, uh, I think towards the... Actually, no. A good bit of a good bit of it was uh, because of the the topic of um, what's his name, Sam uh, Smith, right? Yeah. Uh, Sam Smith and the Grammys, that satanic performance. So uh, we, we were talking a little about Satanism then. So now, by the way, Sam Smith now identifies as non-binary. So you know, correlation. <laughs> so continuing with uh, an update on the world of Satanism um, now. Uh, I hope that some of our listeners uh, and the, those in these kind of circles are aware of this, but there's um, 
the past couple of days, uh, from Friday to Sunday, there was a three day convention called SatanCon that had met in uh, in Boston. Uh, and SatanCon uh, it was it was being uh, touted by uh, this group um, on social media as the largest. Uh, gathering of Satanists in history that remains to be seen. I don't know, but um, this, the, the group that put this conference on, it was the second annual conference. So it's the second time they have done this um, and they are going to look to continue. Uh, the group that put it on is uh, the group called the Satanic Temple. Um, this is a group that is based out of uh, Salem, Massachusetts. How appropriate. Um, the uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're so witchy. Um, now this, so this group call uh, says that they are a non-religious group. They are atheists. They do not believe in Satan. They look to Satan as to, 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 the, to Satan as a symbol that, first of all, Christianity doesn't have a claim to, um, but they look to Satan as a symbol of autonomy, of self-governance and freedom. Um, so that you know, basically, you can't be locked down by, uh, by, you know, uh, religious, uh, by 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 particular religions or authoritarianism. Um, so they they say they uh, do not believe in a literal Satan, even though they're basically professing the 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 tenets of what Satan uh, instigates and loves: uh, pride <laughs> and autonomy. So. Uh, so they worship Satan without worshiping Satan. But, uh, anyways, this group put on, uh, what was a sold out conference in Boston and they chose Boston because the mayor, um, said that they couldn't be involved in, uh, doing a opening, uh, invocation, uh, basically at an event. And so they're like, okay, well, yeah, mayor of Boston, you inspired this. So we're going to put on this thing because we're, we're trolls. Um, so they did. And basically it was a bunch of, if I can, <laughs> sorry, I'm not meaning to be so sorry. It's really hard. I mean, it, this it is serious, but it's also just so ridiculous. It's just kind of right. hard not to laugh. Now, I think on one end, it, it yeah, it's serious. And I, I take it serious enough to, to, to bring it up here, but also that, you know, um, that, uh, I did an announcement before, um, before service, uh, last night to, to say, Hey, or the other night uh, on the Lord's Day to say, you know, uh, let's pray uh, about this in our prayers. I want you to know what's going on. Um, like, you know, this is something that we should continue to pray about and pray against because the meeting's going to go on till 8 p.m. Uh, so same thing here. <laughs> We're bringing this up because uh, this, this group has been in the news numerous times. Uh, this is at least the fourth time in, within a year or less that uh, that I've heard things from them um this group one uh i'm gonna bring it around full circle why we bring it up here don't worry give me a sec the uh, one um earlier i think i might have even brought this up on on the show before but this group uh when 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 abortion laws um abortion restrictions were put in place uh, after the overturning of Obergefell, um, this group uh, wanted to provide a service, the Satanic Temple uh, wanted to provide a service to send abortion pills 
protected under the First Amendment as a religious freedom, in, specifically as a religious ceremony. So um, it couldn't be legislated against. Um, if you were, say, in the state of New Mexico, you wanted an abortion, your state doesn't permit you to have an abortion, they would send you an abortion pill to uh, as long as you agreed to perform their abortion ritual, which you can find the words on their website or elsewhere if you don't want to give them traffic. Um, but basically, it's you staring Not at that you necessarily should, because right. it is, you know, literally satanic. Exactly. It's it's basically them you looking in a mirror in a meditative environment uh, and telling yourself that you are powerful and autonomous and blah, 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 and et cetera. And then you take the abortion pill uh, and this ritual. Um, so that is an actual ceremony. Uh, so they, they had gone, gone into the news for that reason. Um, recently, they actually twice now, they've been involved in helping kids uh, form um, and protect the right to form it after school Satan club because there can be Christian clubs and so on. So they, so your school needs to give you your Satan club. Um, here at this Satan con, uh, for a few days leading up to the event, they were, uh, you know, they had one of their guys going and burning Bibles so that they could use their ashes in, uh, the ashes of the Bible and, in pages for uh, for a you know a so-called black mass uh, whatever they think that is I don't know but uh, at the opening ceremony of the conference they were one of their edge lord leaders was ripping up pages uh, from scripture and looked to be having a really hard time doing it too so I don't know what Bible company it was that produced that but you know kudos to them um, like that was a really well made Bible. But she was so she was struggling, ripping these pages out, and then throwing them to the floor uh, and yelling "Hail Satan! Hail Satan!" Um, and then them ripping up thin blue line police, you know, uh, police flags. Um, uh, then they had a series of workshops, and here's where we're going to bring it full circle: <laughs> a series of workshops and lectures and events and stuff. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's, again, it's kind of really, really silly of <laughs> what sort of things they were doing. Um, so here, here's just a, a list of a couple of the, these things. Um, 2023 presenters uh, included uh, <laughs> Hellbillies, Visible, Satan, uh, Visible Satanism in Rural America. Uh, by lecture Ash Skade or Shade, I don't know. Um, there's the they put on a satanic ball um, so they can dress up. Um, yeah, there's deconstructing your religious upbringing. Um, there's reclaiming the trans body, a slash theistic strategies for self determination and empowerment by lecture uh, former professor uh, Debbie Dillard Wright. There's Sins of the Flesh, Satanism and Self-Pleasure by Dr. Eric Sprankle. Uh, Reimagining Lilith as an archetype for reproductive justice, Amanda Barton. Um, and those so are we get the abortion angle involved again. That is the abortion. That was one on abortion. Imagine um, 
Lilith. I do just remember another thing I heard about this. They're doing unbaptisms where you basically oh, go yes. and undergo yeah. some kind of baptism that allegedly undoes whatever other baptism you had. Which that's not I the first time I've heard of this. When I was in college, actually, sure. there was like a a secular atheist club on campus that would do that same thing. Which really, it, well, it kind of is interesting. Video, right? Huh? I sent you a video this morning, didn't I? Uh, you probably did, yeah. I think you, you really need to watch that or we should link it. Because, like, she's the, 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 the woman, like, you know, who's talking about her getting unbaptized and how much it meant to her because, like, it really symbolized her, like, you know, her breaking the chains of, uh, you know, of, of the Christian upbringing and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 uh, and you know, she's talking about how, how symbolic and, and basically uh, spiritual of an experience it was for her. To, to, to get her away from the, quote, superstition of, of Christianity and stuff. And I'm like, you're talking about it like a sacrament. Yeah. What's also really fascinating about this is they seem to be engaging in a lot of the obnoxious and edgelordy activities that the new internet atheists were doing about yes. a decade ago before the yes. fedora hat guy memes sent them into oblivion. Exactly. It's entering it's sort of mainstream. I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Underground mainstream. It's a vogue. Um, it's counterculture. It's counterculture. But if you notice from uh, from those things that uh, that th- those workshops and lectures I was list- uh, I was listing, yeah, you had you had that abortion angle. You had the deconstruction of religion and blah blah blah. But there was a number of uh, there was a number of workshops about transgenderism, sexuality, uh, et cetera. But oh, there was a number of actual transgendered lecturers presenting on these things, including uh, some academics and former academics. Um, the, the, you're, you're seeing how this is like, so what, what, does this have, what does this have to do with Satanism? Why are these the topics that they're wanting to present at their satan con yeah it's is 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 there a link between this uh anti uh, authoritarian this really anti-authoritarian and anti um uh because you notice the trend there not just religion which we know Christian uh, Christianity's values, scriptures, moral teachings play an enormous role in Western society and in American society, in our structure of justice and and, in legislation itself. But ripping up the thin blue line, the flag representing uh, when a police officer is killed in the line of duty, ripping up a symbol of authority or a symbol of Policemen, there, there's these the uh, hitting things like abortion and 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 transgenderism. They are looking to subvert what they see as the majority and uh, basically trying to change the power dynamic. It is it, this is this is basically another branch of just a bunch of woke edge lords coming together to you know to celebrate uh, what are virtually. Uh, abominations to the law of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so there so you I mean, have you want, it. Yeah. 
Yeah, come back to the title of Full Circle podcast. Full Circle. <laughs> Crisis in culture. <laughs> yep. Yep, when you, well, Christ or chaos in a certain sense. But it's it's just it's, it's sad what we're seeing. I mean, this this might perhaps be one of the more on yes, edge lords they may be. But it's almost like in another respect they are this Satan con and the satanic temple, they're being some of the most perhaps consistent iterations of where these sort of values really have their allegiances. Mm-hmm. It's self-governance under the guise, uh, or it's, it's, it's Satan's prerogatives and his deadly devices under the guise of self-governance. Yeah. It's just R- radical sin personal autonomy yeah so on that happy and uplifting note um i think we've pretty well covered everything we meant to cover here tonight um caleb any parting words or thoughts no there's always more we can touch on and more more angles here uh but we would be here for another six hours so we'll save what other musings and, and venting we have I'm sure for another time. And we'll give you more updates on Satanism. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it's probably transgenderism too. None of this is going anywhere unless Christ returns, yeah. which would be great. I'm all for that. Come Lord Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yeah. should he tarry? We're, we're probably going to be at this for a bit. Um, as far as content for the faith, <laughs> yes, once for all delivered. Fuck. Um, as far as the show going forward, so we're streaming on Tuesday night. That was kind of a mistake. I double booked myself. Um, probably going forward, I think we're going to aim to do more of these live shows and whatever we release, be it a live show or if we do a recorded show, we're probably going to start releasing on Thursdays. So that's new. We haven't done that before, but that's going to be the day that seems to work best for us. So if, we, if we're live, it'll be Thursday night, or if we're releasing pre-recorded, probably also be Thursday night. Uh, kind of like we've been doing recently since we did the first live show, whatever we've been dropping, we drop on Monday night, and then we're doing this Tuesday night. But Thursday night's probably going to be the day. It's probably going to be some variation if we have guests or other things to plan around, but that's what we're aiming for. Um, anyways, so we thank you for joining us. Uh, those of you who joined us live, those of you who will join us in the recording in our podcast feed, as always, if you have any questions, you can email us once for all or not once OFADpodcast at gmail.com. You can connect on social media at OFAD podcast as the bar at the bottom of your screen says, as long as it's not so blurry, you can't read it. <laughs> I hope our connection's okay. If not, we've got a backup recording, so it'll be fine. Um, but we thank you again for joining us. Um, it's been, well, it's been something. It's been real. It's been real. It's been real. Slice been fun has it been real fun these are the pertinent questions of life and because it's a live show i have to filibuster a little bit of time but pithy sign off phrase that's it
Sir, oh, we're back to that. Okay, 50 sign-off phrase. Thank you for listening to this episode. For the latest news and updates, visit our substack at onceforalldelivered.com, where you can also support our work with a paid subscription. You can also follow us on social media at OFAD Podcast. If you like what you have heard, leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts and spread the word about the show. Once For All Delivered is hosted by Andrew Smith and Caleb Castro and produced by Andrew and Heidi Smith. A special thank you to our founding members, Eric and Kathy Hepker. We hope you will join us again next time on Once for All Delivered.